Hello, and as promised, I am going to do my best to explain this phenomenon that is going on in Israel right now surrounding this fellow Rav Shlomo Yehuda. There are some people out there who are trying to make the case that this guy is either the Antichrist or the false prophet as described in the book of Revelation. And I am here to explain why neither of those is the case. The folks that are constantly doing this. They're constantly looking for the Antichrist to... Uh, they're confused. They're confused and they have this uh, almost masochistic desire to suffer in the tribulation as if that somehow uh, through suffering in the tribulation um, validates their Christianity as if you can't be a real Christian unless you suffer because after all the Bible did say that we were going to be turned over to governments and judges and we were going to be scourged and beaten and, and all this kind of... And, and this is the wrong spirit to have. This is not a spirit of Christ talking here. This is another form of... of salvation through works, except in this case, instead of working for salvation, you must suffer for salvation. You must be beaten for salvation such that you are actually going out and actively looking for uh, abuse so that you are hoping for abuse. Um, these are masochistic type Christians, as I stated before, assuming that they are indeed real Christians, because believing that your salvation is incumbent upon your actions or the actions of others upon you invalidates the true message of Christianity and what Christ did. So one has to wonder then if these people are actually truly saved. Uh, but I also like to refer to them as uh, eschatological uh, conspiracy theorists. But we're going to get into, specifically, I want to get into this uh, Shlomo fellow and what I have just observed in a very short period of time. I only spent uh, a, a portion of the day yesterday doing some quick research on this guy, and it was very, I very quickly, through my observations, was able to debunk a lot of the stuff that uh, a lot of these conspiracy theorists were putting out there on Twitter, excuse me, and YouTube. And uh, so I'll specifically get into him, but I also want to get into, more importantly, what we are supposed to expect and how we are supposed to be behaving as Christians during this period of time, which technically we are in the end times. This is technically the end times in as much as it is the church age and the next step after the church age uh, will be the uh, rapture and then the tribulation. 
And I'm going to get into that too, because there are a lot of people out there that go, that there are some people out there that will say, well, there's no such thing as the rapture, which if you can read first and second Thessalonians and still come to that conclusion, then you've got a problem with your exegesis. And, um, Secondly, there are some people that suggest, and these are the masochistic Christians again, that suggest that the rapture will not come until the middle of or after the tribulation. And there is zero uh, evidence for that in the scriptures, uh, at least that I have seen. Uh, and I have not heard a convincing argument for either of those positions yet. So I'll get into that too. So I'm going to do the specific thing first with this uh, Shlomo guy, and then, uh, and no disrespect to the Shlomo guy, um, Rav Shlomo Yehuda, uh, no disrespect at all, as a matter of fact, uh, from what I have uh, seen, the little that I have seen, admittedly, uh, you know, I have uh, respect for this individual. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, going to deal with Shlomo first and then go into the general um, business of uh, what's going to happen uh, and what we should be expecting. Um, and, and that's what we're going to do. So, sorry, I'm a little bit... Uh, I just ate. So, all right. First thing we need to deal with when it comes to the uh, whether or not this guy is the antichrist uh specifically the antichrist the antichrist is not a jew rav shlomo yehuda is very very much a jew he's a jew's jew as a matter of fact so that's right out of the gate, not going to happen. How do I know that the Antichrist is not a Jew? Well, first I want to talk about, uh, and a lot of people think that, oh, you know, uh, you want to talk about the Antichrist, then you go to Revelation. No, no. As a matter of fact, I very strongly, <laughs> it's a lot like owning a firearm. I do not think you should own a firearm until you have been trained to properly use that firearm, properly and safely use that firearm. I do not think, the same way with Revelation, I do not think you should be talking about quoting or quoting Revelation for your argumentation until you have read the book of Daniel. Because in order to understand, really understand Revelation, or at least get a better understanding, a solid understanding of Revelation, you really need to read Daniel. Both of these books, unfortunately, are very much uh, ignored by a lot of so-called mainstream churches because they're difficult and because they're not an easy sell to the uh, uh, to the parishioners of a church um, that is used to just doling out spiritual baby food, okay? Daniel and Revelation especially are like, you know, four-course meals, four-course steak dinners that you have to take your time on, you got to chew on, you got to think about, and a lot of preachers who are more concerned with nickels and noses uh, just would prefer easy stuff. Stuff that is mm, almost cliche. You know, stuff that'll, that'll, that will inflame emotions and get people into the pews, get butts in the pews and, and get... Uh, get donations in the uh, in the donation boxes. But I digress, as I frequently do ask my wife. So, Daniel uh, first describes the Antichrist in chapter 7, and it's verse 8. Chapter 7, verse 8. 
And he, he talks about multiple beasts uh, that he sees in his vision. And uh, specifically, it is one of the beasts that has multiple horns. And in verse 8 of chapter 7, it says, While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up along the, or among them. And three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth, uttering great boasts. Now, with Daniel, a lot of Daniel's visions and prophecies were, for lack of a better term, double prophecies in that they will be fulfilled, they were fulfilled once and they will be fulfilled again. Like a lot of things in the Old Testament, there were Christ types that occurred, Christ-like persons and Christophanies as well which are appearances of Christ in the Old Testament prior to him being born as Jesus. So there are types that are shown. And the first uh, the first fulfillment of this prophecy, this small horn, came out as a person, an individual, which is another reason to believe that the Antichrist himself will be an individual person, in the form of the man called Antiochus Epiphanes. Okay, and Antiochus Epiphanes actually does to the existing Jewish temple of his time what the Antichrist is going to do to the existing Jewish temple of his time. Antiochus Epiphanes came into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, where not only were Jews only allowed to set foot in one time per year, and it had to be the high priest, But he, as a Gentile, defiled the temple by going into it at all. There is an area of the uh, temple outside, the outer court of the temple, which Gentiles were uh, allowed, the Gentile court they were allowed to go into, but they couldn't go any further. He goes into the temple proper itself, into the temple, where Gentiles are absolutely not allowed, and he sacrifices a pig the epitome of unclean animals, on the altar. And that was the abomination that causes desolation that occurred at that time. Antiochus Epiphanes was a Gentile. So, it is reasonable to believe that the Antichrist, who will be the ultimate fulfillment of this particular prophecy, will also be a Gentile. Um, Revelation, when we're introduced to the uh, both beasts, so you have the first beast and the second beast. The first beast coming out of the sea is the Antichrist, and the second beast coming out of the earth is the uh, false prophet. And we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, This is in um, Revelation 13, and 1 through, I believe it's 10, 1 through 10 discuss the uh, Antichrist, the vision that John had of the Antichrist. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore, the dragon being Satan. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. 
I'm not going to get into the heads and the horns at this point, uh, but I am going to point out the blasphemous names. This guy comes out of the gate blaspheming God, speaking boastfully against God. This is not somebody that the Jews are going to accept as their savior or anything like that. This is not a guy who the Jews will accept. It's not going to be a Jew doing this, because if a Jew was coming out being blasphemous to God, even for secular Jews, he would just outright immediately be rejected. And we know that... uh, they they will accept this, sort of, they will expect this of a Gentile. And he does broker a peace deal between Israel and the rest of the world uh, at the beginning of the tribulation. So, right there, I'm going to say Gentile. There is another argument that because it comes out of the sea, there are occasions in the Bible where the sea is a metaphor for the Gentile population. In this particular case, um, I don't know that we can make that leap. Um, Rather, the sea in this case, which is, there's another uh, frequent use, is that the sea is a metaphor for uh, uh, the abyss. And this would indicate that this particular individual is directly, demonically possessed by Satan himself. This is just, this is the evilest of evil individuals, the vilest of vile individuals. And that is, uh, the commentarians that I read, they tend to go in that direction, uh, Verse 2, and the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Again, we're seeing that all of the power that this guy has comes from Satan himself. This is a personal direct line to Satan. Uh, The the beasts, so you got the leopard and the bear and the lion here. This is uh, callbacks to Daniel, which again, like I said, if you really want to understand Revelation, you'd better get into your Daniel, and you'd better learn your Daniel. Daniel, I'm not going to get into what these beasts represent here and how they link up with Daniel. Uh, Verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. There's a lot of conjecture about what all of that means as well, and I'm not going to get into that here, Um, but I'm really now starting to think that I had probably better just go ahead and redo and publish my uh, sermon series on Revelation. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him, and he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. So he's blaspheming heaven itself where God himself lives. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, saints being Christians that were uh, uh, that will be alive at the time of the trivial tribulation. These these aren't Christians, people who convert to Christianity after the rapture, and I'll get into that later. And authority over them, or over every tribe and every people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. There's a lot there in verse 8, but suffice it to say that 
those people who have not been saved by their faith in Jesus Christ will worship this guy. All right? And this goes to another conspiracy theory that a lot of people have out there, that the COVID vaccine is somehow the number of the beast, and that if you take it, uh, then you will go to hell. And that's absolutely 100% not the case. Now, is it a type of how they're going to roll out the number of the beast? I think so, yes. I think we can go to Matthew 25, where Jesus was talking about the end times, and he refers to the approaching of the tribulation as birth pangs. And I think we are seeing types of what is going to occur. I think we are seeing basically pushes, uh, uh, um, assaults of Satan. And we are seeing how he is going to do things and how things are going to roll out during the tribulation. Absolutely. So the way that they deceived people with the vaccine and the way that they rolled it out is going to be very much how they're going to roll out the the number of the beast. I'm, I'm absolutely, and the, the way that they uh, tried to, and in some cases were able to prevent people who did not get the vaccine from selling and buying. Yeah. Yeah. And it amazes me that people can actually see this occurring and think that the Bible is just a fairy tale. Absolutely baffles me. But that is also discussed in uh, multiple places in the Bible when it comes to the end times. Uh, but I'm not going to get into that here. Uh, also, in verse 8, there is a little nod to predestination versus free will. Uh, as as it uh, will say, all of the earth, earth will worship him except for those whose name was written from the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb. And a lot of people have asked me before, do I believe in predestination or do I believe in free will? And my answer has always been the same. Yes. Verse 9, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Listen up, people. Verse 10, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Now, this is referring to those people who convert to Christianity again after the tribulation has begun. And basically, it's telling you that if you resist with violence against, you know, the, uh, the Antichrist reign, you're going to be killed. You're going to be killed pretty much anyway. They're going to go around slaughtering you if they find you. So, you know, it's going to happen. And if if you are destined for captivity, you're going to get captured. What's going to happen is going to happen. That when the when the tribulation starts, the die has been cast. The stuff's going to go down exactly the way that it's supposed to go down, exactly the way that it's described here in Revelation. That's just... It's just the way it is. There's not going to be any of this Hollywood, maybe we can change things. And this is another thing that really impacts me about the people who are constantly going around looking for who's the Antichrist, who's the Antichrist, who's the Antichrist. It doesn't bloody matter. Okay? It doesn't matter who the guy is. You're not going to be able to do anything about it. You could get on, on every rooftop. You could get on the tabernacle of the temple itself and shout to the heavens, this guy's the Antichrist. It's not going to change a thing. Heck, it says right here in Revelation that this guy is going to apparently be killed. Struck down with the sword. So an act of violence is going to apparently kill this guy, and he's going to come back. Believe me when I tell you, there is nothing that you can do as a Christian or otherwise that is going to alter the way God has things planned. Nothing. 
And if you believe that there is something that you can do to change these things, then you really need to seriously look at whether or not you're actually saved. Or you may actually be saved and you just don't know what the heck you're talking about and you're not studying your Bible enough. This is another one of my pet peeves, folks. While there are plenty of good churches out there who actually teach Bible study, there are a a hundred times, I don't know, a hundred times, but there are plenty more, many, many more churches out there, especially mega churches and garbage like that, that don't even teach reading your Bible. But if they do teach reading your Bible, they don't teach people how to study it. All right? This book, as I point to the screen of my computer, this book, the Bible, is the way that we are supposed to live on this earth as Christians. It is the instruction manual given to us by God. If you aren't studying this book, then there's a problem. Okay? And you're not going to get the most out of your life here. And you're not going to get the most out of your purpose here if you're not studying. And we're going to get into that uh, more in a little bit as well. So the next individual that we are introduced to is the false prophet, also known as the beast from the earth. Now I go back to those people who... Uh, see the 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 beast coming out of the sea, and they view the sea as the Gentile nations. Uh, they then view the beast coming out of the earth, and see well, this guy must be coming out of Israel. Therefore, he's a Jew. And while I can see an argument for that. I still have a problem with that for a couple of reasons, that particular interpretation. Uh, and by the way, the, um, uh, the Central Asian um, uh, people of the time that Revelation was written, viewed the earth as, uh, or anything coming from the earth as being of a native origin. It's a little bit of a stretch to say that it meant specifically Israel, even if you go that route. But uh, I can see an argument being made for this. One of the problems that I have with this is that the false prophet convinces people to worship the beast. This is a direct violation of the first commandment of God. You're just not going to get a Jew, rabbi or whatever, who's going to be able to do that. Who's going to do that? Um, because they'll be immediately, again, uh, shunned by the uh, Jewish community at large. So there's that. The second thing that I want to point to is uh, for both of these, an argument for both of these, is Luke uh, chapter 21, verse 24, which states that this time period that we are in, the era of the church, the time period that we are in, is referred to as the times of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles will basically trample over Israel and control what Israel is doing. And despite the fact that Israel did become an independent nation uh, in 1946, uh, I think it was 46, 46 or 48, um, they still don't have control of their nation. 
there's still the the United Nations dictates a lot of what Israel is allowed to do, even when it comes to the their own self defense. So it only makes sense that the tribulation, which will be the end time of the times of the Gentiles, it only makes sense that the two most prominent characters of that time period would be Gentiles. It's the, it's the culmination of the time of the Gentiles and the Gentiles' control over and trampling on Israel. So, I just, I, I can see the argument, and I understand it, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, um, but I just don't, it doesn't wash with me personally. So, uh, there's that. I, th- this is, these are the main reasons why I don't think this, that this Shlomo guy, Rav Shlomo Yehuda, uh, to be a little bit more respectful, um, is either the Antichrist or the false prophet. Okay. Now, there are those, as we learn from the book of James, anybody who is not a Christian can have the spirit of the Antichrist. So you can be an Antichrist, okay? But not the Antichrist. Likewise, there are people out there who claim to be Christians who are teaching false doctrine. There are a lot of people out there who are not Christian who are teaching false doctrines. And these people can be false prophets and not be the false prophet. So, there we go. Now, I'm not saying that Rav Shlomo is any of these things, because I want to get into some of the things that were said about this guy by these eschatological conspiracy theorists. One accusation that I heard more than once was that this guy never talks about, uh, well, first off, that this guy was going around performing miracles. And I went to the guy's YouTube page. I listened to him speak multiple times. And then I listened to other people speak about him. Now, the people who could be considered to have ascribed miracles to this guy were actually other people. It wasn't him. He wasn't going around saying that he was doing miracles, nor at any point did I hear him say or claim that he was the Messiah. Didn't hear that come out of his mouth either. And uh, one particular woman was saying that he's doing these miracles and he's not giving glory to God. Okay, so I listened to him speak on his uh, YouTube page multiple times, and this guy repeatedly, a lot, gave reference to God and gave glory to God. So the accusations from some of these people that are saying these things are just flat wrong. These are These are just people who are not doing their homework. These are people who are looking for an excuse, and they see, oh, wow, there's this guy in Israel, and a lot of people are going around following him and saying stuff about him. He must be the Antichrist. They don't do any research. They don't do any independent thought. They sure as hell aren't reading their Bible. And they're just coming out with this crap. Because they're addicted to the, the-, the-, the conspiracy theory. All right, which, again, this, this makes me question a lot of things about their, their personal Christianity. Because um, we're not supposed to be going around accusing people of that stuff. So, point one, uh, this guy has not ascribed any miraculous things to himself at all. 
uh, I found two instances. One that was kind of ascribing a miracle to this guy. It was the individual himself who claimed that he had been wheelchair bound for a period of time. And then when he met with this fellow, uh, he was able to walk again after the guy prayed for him and whatnot and blessed him. So this guy was claiming, first of all, that he was wheelchair bound in the first place, which we don't know. And second, that, you know, he could walk again, which when he was giving this testimonial, he wasn't walking around. Just saying, if you're going to make a testimonial that you can walk, one would think you'd be walking around. As a matter of fact, you can go to the Gospels where people have been healed from being lame and unable to walk. And what were they doing? They were walking around telling people about what happened. So they weren't just talking it, they were showing it. All right, so you got that right there. Uh, the other guy uh, who, this really couldn't be a, uh, considered a miracle, is he was talking about how his sister had theoretically been diagnosed with lung cancer. Again, we don't know if that's true. And he went to Shlomo, and Shlomo he he gave him a prayer. He told him, you know, pray from this book and give your sister this advice, which the advice he gave his sister was just, you know, logical, understandable health advice. Avoid junk food, eat good food, and surprise, surprise, quit freaking smoking. Okay? And then... He said that uh, the next time the doctors checked his sister, the tumor was all gone, assuming the tumor was actually there in the first place. We don't know. So then, right there, no. I reject that uh, as any indication that this guy is performing miracles. It sounds to me like he's just giving good advice and he's praying to God, which is what you're supposed to be doing anyway. Now, what I did see is that this guy really knows his stuff. He is apparently a prodigy. He's very young. He's in his 30s. He's a bit of a phenom. And he, he uh, a lot of the Gentiles who are talking about him, oh, well, he, he memorized the Torah. Again, not reading your Bible, not knowing anything about Jewish culture, all boys are expected to memorize, have the Torah memorized by the age of 13. That's what a bar mitzvah is partially celebrating. All right? Or at least in, in, in the older times, Jewish boys were raised up to memorize the Torah. So him having the Torah memorized is not that big a deal, especially if he's a rabbi, which he is. All right. And then he's like apparently got the Talmud mostly memorized or memorized or whatever. That, again, the guy's a phenom. He's very smart. But from what I saw, what little I saw of this guy, he is talking about God right, left, and up and down and all over the place. And the advice he's giving to people is, is good advice from what I'm hearing. There, there are some issues that I would take theologically, but that's normal. You know, any, anything, uh, I'm sure that there would be a lot of differences theologically between me and a Jewish rabbi, given that I'm a Christian and they're not. So I'm not seeing anything nefarious about this particular individual. Uh, it's much ado about nothing, basically. The reason that I'm doing this at all is because I've got friends and former parishioners who will see this kind of thing and hear this kind of thing on YouTube and go, <gasps> and then they'll go down the route of the Thessalonians, which brings me to my next point after I drink my tea. Oh, great tea, by the way. Uh, if you like tea, it's uh, Davidson's Organic Loose Leaf Tea on uh, Amazon. 
and they're, they're not paying me anything. I just really like their tea. Uh, they're, uh, that's Earl Grey black tea. And then, uh, they've got an Earl Grey green tea, which is also phenomenal. Anyway, let's go to Thessalonians because Paul wrote the Thessalonians because they had a wrong idea about the end times and how things were going to happen. They had been told through three different, um, three different approaches that the tribulation had already started and that they had missed the rapture. And so they were upset about this. And Paul had to write them twice to calm them down. This is the exact same kind of spirit that these Christian masochists ascribe to. And it's very clearly spelled out here. And let me see, I want to get to... 2 Thessalonians, because this is another reason why I think that this guy is neither the Antichrist nor the false prophet. First off, the Antichrist uh, and the false prophet, or the false prophet can't come along until the Antichrist. The, The Antichrist comes along before the false prophet. So if this guy ain't the Antichrist, he sure as heck ain't the false prophet. But here we have these poor Thessalonians who are laboring under the idea that they've been left behind. There are a lot of people, I'm not going to say a lot of people, there are some Christians out there who are saying that we are currently in the tribulation. That it's already started. And it hasn't. There are Christians out there who believe that we're in the tribulation and that we will be either raptured halfway through the tribulation or that we will be raptured at the end of the tribulation. Now, first of all, the tribulation is a very specifically set period of time. It is exactly no more, no less than seven years, period, end of sentence. These folks have been saying that we're in the tribulation for a long time, a hell of a lot longer than seven years. So I guess they keep resetting the time. We're not even supposed to be setting times, but I'm going to get into that in a little bit as well. Um, so all of this is conjecture. And those of you who are those, I'm not get accusatory. Those who are out there saying, oh, that the Shlomo guy might be the Antichrist. These are the same people who were saying that, you know, uh, 20 years ago that were saying that Barack Obama was the Antichrist. And before him, it was Bill Clinton. And before him, I don't know. You know, they're just, they're they're picking and choosing and throwing, oh, he's the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. Stop it. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. We're going to get into what you're supposed to be doing in a little bit. But just so that you understand that there is scriptural backing for what I am saying, the rapture comes first. The rapture comes before the tribulation. And I've talked about this before. One of the things that I want to point out is when Jesus is talking about the end times, and he refers to the end times as being like Noah and the flood, like Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? He didn't say it's going to be like the flood, it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. He specifically pointed out Noah and Lot, both of whom were removed prior to the judgment. So, if the end times are going to be like that, then it is logical to assume that the righteous people are going to be removed prior to the judgment. Then we can come here to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is why you need to study not just read your Bibles. 
Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. He's talking about the rapture here. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us. These are three things that were going on. These guys were being pounded by this false message. Okay? They received a letter that was theoretically written by Paul. It was a falsified letter, forged letter, sent ostensibly by Paul. Now, how could they uh, how could that happen as you know you know how did they fake Paul's handwriting well here's a little thing that you get from studying and not just reading that people don't know is that Paul was apparently severely nearsighted or or had a lot of vision problems either way so he had somebody write stuff for him he had other people write stuff for him he dictated his letters so that the handwriting at one from one letter might be different from the handwriting from another letter. So it would be easy to forge a letter from Paul because there's no telling what the handwriting is going to look like. So you've got a letter from him. There, is, there was a message where a messenger was sent, theoretically. And then you had a spirit, which is somebody from inside, or somebody from outside walking into the church, ostensibly a brother in Christ. All three of these methods were being used to deceive the Thessalonians. This indicates that Satan has a vested interest in this particular message, this particular false message. This is important for Satan, that Christians believe this lie. And Christians today are believing this lie. That's how, it, how important it is for Satan, that he, he is really pounding this home. All right. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed and the son of destruction. Okay, let me go back to... Oh, yeah. Okay, back, back to verse 2. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, we've got two different items here. We've got in verse 1, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. That's the rapture, our gathering together to him. And then the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the beginning of the tribulation. That is the beginning of the judgment. All right? The beginning of the judgment will not start until the Antichrist is revealed. The man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This we will see. Uh, we were talking about Antiochus Epiphanes beforehand, uh, who did something similar. And uh, in Revelation, it talks about the Antichrist doing the same thing. Uh, this, is, again, is Paul writing in Thessalonians about this particular issue. Do not, or do you not remember... That while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. And you know what restrains him now. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The power of the church restrains Satan. It restrains the coming of the Antichrist. Okay, so the coming of the Antichrist can't even show up until the church has been removed. The church restrains the coming of the Antichrist, and as long as the church exists on the planet, the Antichrist cannot. For the mystery of lawlessness, this is verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. 
Only he who now restrains the Holy Spirit will do so until he is taken out of the way. So until the church with the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, the man of lawlessness can't show up, even though the man, the, the, the spirit of lawlessness is acting on the earth. And there's no question about that. The man of lawlessness cannot show up on scene until the restraint has been removed. And the restraint is the Holy Spirit acting through the church. This is not to say that the Holy Spirit will not be on the earth after the church leaves. However, what it is saying is that the Holy Spirit acting through the church, the prayers of the church, is restraining, currently restraining, the man of lawlessness. So the church has to be removed for the man of lawlessness to show up. And the tribulation can't start until the man of lawlessness shows up. All right. 8, verse 8. Then that lawless, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his, that's Jesus' coming, the second coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. There's a lot to unpack there that I am not going to get into at this point. However, right there tells you rapture, man of lawlessness, tribulation. That's the way it works. All right, so what, Christians, are we supposed to be doing? Instead of looking for the next Antichrist... And I'm not saying that you're not supposed to be looking for lawlessness, looking for the spirit of lawlessness and pointing it out when it's in action. I do that. All right? But you're not supposed to be going, that's the Antichrist there, that's the Antichrist there, that's the Antichrist there. No. First of all, because there's no point. Even if it was, so what? What are you going to do about it? Nothing. States very clearly, you can't do anything about it. The scriptures are very clear. What's going to happen is going to happen when it comes to the Antichrist. Now, should we point out wickedness that's going on in certain, um, uh, maybe even corporations, certain people, certain uh, political activities and, and so forth? Absolutely, we need to point that stuff out. That's what being a good watchman is about. But just like we're not supposed to be following false teachers and 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 just like we're not supposed to be trying to figure out what day the the rapture is going to happen or that the end times the the tribulation is going to supposed to be beginning and stuff like that because it says very also clearly in this in the scriptures that not even Christ himself knows the day but only God the Father. Are you God the Father? No? Then quit looking. So what are we supposed to be doing? Right here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse starting in verse 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Absolutely. 
Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. This is where I have a little bit of problem, as you might be able to tell. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. This is I could preach on that one verse alone, but I'm not going to. Rejoice always, rejoice always, because you have hope in salvation, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a true believer in Christ, you have hope in salvation. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will. If you pray in God's will, it will happen. For you in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus, I'm reading from the NASB, by the way. That's pretty much, I'll exclusively preach out of the NASB for the most part. There are occasions when I will not, but for the most part, I'm totally NASB. Do not quench the Spirit, the Spirit, capital S, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but... Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. I really want to point this part out right here. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. For those out there who say, oh, Christians just believe blindly, and unfortunately there are who do. There are a lot who do. This is one of the occasions where Paul calls upon us to very carefully examine what we have been told. If you've got a preacher at at your preacher at your home church, uh, you hear somebody on YouTube like me, you hear whatever. If you hear something and it's new to your ears, look it up, just like I'm doing here with this Rav Shlomo Antichrist stuff. If you hear a teaching that you have questions about, examine it carefully like we're doing here. This is a type. This is how you do this stuff. I am using scripture to examine the claims that these guys, or that this guy was either the Antichrist or the false prophet. All right? And I have proven conclusively that he is neither. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. That's what we're supposed to be doing, folks. All of those things, okay? Appreciate those who diligently labor among you, okay? Uh, Love them. Live in peace with one another. Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give, give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. That's what we're supposed to be doing, folks. Every minute of every day, that's what we're supposed to be doing. I sometimes liken myself to a spiritual drill instructor because of my military background and because of the fact that I was, in fact, an instructor when I was with the uh, Marines. This is what you're supposed to be doing. If you get involved in all of that spiritual conspiracy theory stuff, the eschatological conspiracy theory stuff, it is distracting you from that which you are supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be going about our Father's business. Not getting on YouTube every time we hear about something weird going on, like those sheep that were walking around in a circle for 14 days in China. Which, by the way, has kind of pretty much been explained. But still, you're looking for all of that stuff, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. You're not doing that. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Get to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Get to work. All right? I am admonishing the unruly here. Fix yourself. At any rate, 
that's all I have to say on that particular subject. If you have any questions, you can hit me up at the uh, email address, which is docbryantshow at zohomail.com, Z-O-H-O-Mail.com. I am on Truth Social, Gab, Getter, Minds, uh, Locals. is I'm, I'm focusing more on Locals now, uh, at Doc Bryant. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, on Twitter, where I like to play around and, uh, and, uh, intellectually beat up on liberals and stuff. Uh, Twitter is, uh, at Doc Bryant Actual. Uh, if you like what you heard, then hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, hit the button for notifications so that you can find out when I post something new. Thank you very much for listening. And I will talk to you all later.